Welcome to Life Church Hurley's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Matthew. We're going to kind of sit in Matthew. Uh, we have a few other things, but uh, that's going to be the, the main part of our, our scripture this morning. Matthew chapter 19, starting at verse 3. Uh, we're going to read it and then we'll come back to it. Ready for this? Anybody ready for the word this morning? All right, got it. Just checking. It says, the Pharisees also came to him. It's a good story because that's Pharisees. And they started testing him and they said to Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? That's a good way of putting it, right? Woman, I'm going to put you away. So anyhow, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. If you've ever really paid attention to, to movies or books, or I don't know who reads anymore, but anyhow, I'll just say that you read. Uh, have you ever noticed, even in children's stories, they always tend to start off with an ideal. They have the ideal family. There's an event going on. Maybe there's a college graduation. Maybe there's a new job. There's always a setup, and this setup is, is always the perfect situation, the, the smiling family, you know, the, uh, the perfect neighbor next door, the, the perfect job opportunity, the, the perfect trip overseas. You know, something. There's always an ideal that's presented at the beginning of something normally. And then the rest of the story is, Something happens a few minutes after the, the movie or their show or the, the book starts and it destroys the ideal. And then normally the rest of whatever you're reading or watching, the rest of the whole movie is setting up trying to get back to the ideal way of life. Even in kids' movies, you can see the same thing. I always wondered, like, I would have our kids, like as toddlers, they'd be watching the simplest TV show about for kids, and they always had an issue. They would always start out singing songs or whatever. Then, oh, someone pottied in their pants, you know, whatever. It was always something. There was always an issue that broke the ideal, and then the rest of the episode, the rest of the movie, whatever it is, was getting back to the ideal. We were watching a movie the other day, and it was it was an, an incredible movie. It was about uh, a quadriplegic, and he had all these issues. And they were trying to find him someone to help him live his life. He was a billionaire and, and uh, just trying to find that, that perfect person. And so all throughout the movie, they're, they're, they're showing how these people relate to each other and how these people help each other and learn from each other and, and how they get him out of the bed into the wheelchair and how they learn to, to live a new life or whatever. But all throughout the movie, the guy would have flashbacks to before he was a quadriplegic. He would always have flashbacks to like, to, to what it was like in the ideal situation. And so even though it didn't start with that, the whole movie was him trying to learn how to live a life now in a new ideal, in a new way, and trying to make up for the things that he had lost 
How many of y'all have ever tried to learn a new way of living? That the ideal was lost a long time ago and you've tried for a long, long time to get back to the ideal way of living. If you grew up, if you had a great childhood, you always hear people saying, oh, I just miss the family farm. I I just miss, you know, going up in my grandma's house and running around. I miss those times when the family was together. You can see that there's a loss. There's a pain. There's a heartache. And for the rest of their life, they're, they're trying to situate and get people in place and, and, and get family to live close so they can get back to the ideal way of living. And so here we have this verse. And sort of the same thing is, is going on in Matthew 19. The Pharisees have this, this crazy burning question. Have you ever had a question that was like so intricate that the only person who could answer is God? That maybe you have something that, that you've tried to listen, you've tried to, to read books, you, you've tried to hear sermons for, and then the question never gets answered. The only person who can answer this question is God himself. Have you ever been there? God, why did this happen? God, how come it's set up like this? God, why do we have to live this way? God, God, how come in your scripture it says this? And so the Pharisees are, are there. They had that burning question. They, only God can answer. And in fact, for hundreds of years, the Pharisees, for 1,500 years, the Pharisees have debated back and forth between the scholars and each other this very same topic. It was the hot-button issue of the day. It was so hot-button issue that, they, that when Jesus came up, they had one question. Jesus, we have a question for you. We We've been debating it for years. We want to know the answer. How many of y'all know that we have a lot of those social issues going on today? Jesus, we have a lot going on. And in your scripture, you say this, God, what do you mean by that? And so the Pharisees confront Jesus and they catch him in a a crazy spot because it it seems like it's going to be a catch-22. They want to know the answer. But if Jesus gives either answer, then he's taken aside. They want to know, Jesus, Moses said it was okay to get a divorce from your wife. Jesus, what do you say? Because didn't God say don't divorce your wife? Jesus. And so you start seeing something. If Jesus takes the side of Moses, if Jesus says Moses is right, you can have a certificate of divorce, then Jesus is okaying divorce and, and therefore going against God. But if he says, no, you can't can't get a divorce, I mean, you know, you you would be going against God. Then Jesus would be going against Moses, which is God's servant. So it kind of catches everybody in in an awkward situation. What do we do? What's what's really the answer? We've been trying to do the right thing for a long time. And I love Jesus. Jesus, I don't know if you know this, he always, always, always has the right answer. Um, So here they are. How many of y'all know that? Today in the world, if you look around in America, people, the public, the non-believers, the government, Hollywood, they're all pressuring the church to make decisions. Have you noticed that? Well, what does the church say? Why does the church say that? Why does the church be a hypocrite? How how come the church hates people? How come the church, you know, doesn't like people and just, they just shun everybody and they want the church to make a decision. And so Jesus was caught in the same situation. Make a decision, Jesus, because whatever the church says, that's the way it should be. How many of y'all know no matter what the church says, the outside world is never going to be happy? 
Even if we agree with them, oh yeah, you're right, come on in, we agree, whatever, they're never gonna be happy. So here they are. You can tell that the church leadership has been pressured by the people. We want to know, give us our answer. Is it okay to get a divorce? Ask Jesus when he comes, we have to know. If you read the news, if you read newspapers or watch the news or whatever, it's the same thing with multiple issues today. Have the church vote. Have the church make a decision. Have the church say what God really says. So here's Jesus is right now. I want you to look at Matthew 19, 8, right there in the middle. Jesus said to them, here's the, here's the answer that's about to astound and confound all these people standing around. Jesus said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. In other words, we got to get this right on the open for the church today because Jesus was saying, hey, Moses made it right, but he can never make it righteous. Do you realize that no matter what the church says is okay, we can make something legal, but we can never make something holy. Only God says what is holy. And so if, if churches all around the country change their doctrine to, to suit whatever social issue is going on in the world today, hey, just because the church says it's okay, like Moses did, does not mean it's godly. And so Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he goes, hey, you have an issue. He says, because Moses made it right, but God never made it righteous. And they're standing around and they're looking at each other. And Jesus says, from the beginning, it was not that way. In other words, along the line, God's pure truth became distorted. Listen, by bending and by telling people it's okay and we can make laws and we can change laws and we can say the church said it's okay, so let's change this law and make this law, make, put this into law and say it's okay and it's lawful. We can do that all day, but we will never change God's mind. And so here we are kind of in a catch-22 as the church, it seems. But when we stand on the truth of what Jesus says and what God has established from the beginning of the earth, we might be unlawful, but we will never be unholy. And so church, I believe that God is calling us out and saying, what are you going to stand on this morning? Amen. Um, just for some background on this, Romans 124, uh, if we can just throw that up there real fast, you don't have to turn, it says this, it says, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Uh, now I want you to look at Psalm 87. 12, same thing. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. You see, it's just like the movie. Like we start off with the perfect ideal and then something happens along the way. And then everybody for the rest of the movie tries to decide how we're going to live according to a new norm. And God says, you don't have to live according to a new norm. You just have to live according to the ideal that was set in the beginning. So here we are. We're going through some social, social, y'all are looking at me like, what happened to the happy pastor? Uh, we're going through some things. Somewhere in the middle, um, 
it changed. I want you to look at Matthew 19, 3. The Pharisees actually answered this with their own question. We can just throw that up there real fast. Matthew 19, 3, it says this. The Pharisees also came to Jesus and testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? You see that the answer that they wanted was actually in their question. Jesus, is it lawful? And Jesus goes, yeah, it is lawful, but it's not holy. Verse 10, I love this because I think this is a lot of us, and I want to get somewhere with this. Verse 10, his disciples said to him, Jesus, if what you're saying is true, then isn't it just better not to get married? (laughs) How far gone were they, really? Jesus, if you're telling me I can't divorce my wife at any moment, uh, shouldn't I just not get, get married at all? And Jesus goes, that's probably the idea. They were so far gone that the church had established that it was okay at any moment to get rid of your wife. Now, I think we kind of get caught up with this. Divorce is such a common thing in America today. 50% of all marriages, you've all heard that stat. A divorce is so common that I think we kind of lose what's going on because of that issue. But I want you to take the issue of abortion. And what we're doing today is we're passing a bunch of laws on abortion and, and some states are going extreme. I saw another state just went just completely crazy off the rails this week, just, just so extreme with the abortion issue. And some states like Alabama and other Georgia are going extreme the other way and saying, hey, you, you can't have an abortion no matter what past a certain term. And, and, and if you've, unless, you, unless the health of the mother is in question. So we're kind of going extreme the other way. But you know what's funny about that? is we think we're being extreme. I heard people, even Christians, bashing the Alabama law, saying it's too extreme. You can't do it. But God's going, it's not extreme enough because it doesn't go back to the beginning. You see, you're still making a new, new normal. You're still, you're still setting a new social status and saying, actually, we're going to take what's broken and we're going to make it normal, but we're going to try to get as close as possible. God says, it will never be good enough. It will never be holy enough unless you go back to the beginning. The way I made it. Not the way your broken system makes it, but the way I made it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it? Isn't God a good God? I believe that, um, just throwing this out there, I, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of reasons why young people leave the church. Uh, this is national stats, global stats, and uh, you know, say it's an epidemic. People are, are leaving the church. People are fleeing the church. People know they want, they want something in the church, and they're not getting it. And you see people go from church to church, and they're looking, and they can't find it, and they just drop out of church. But then I read this verse. And his disciples say, Jesus, if that's true, if what you're saying is true, then we should just not get married at all. In other words, saying, Jesus, it, was, it made sense under Moses, but under what you're saying, it's impossible. Have you ever realized that maybe a lot of people are leaving the church because it's easier to follow Moses than it is to follow Jesus? It's easy to follow, it's easier to follow a broken standard that was never set for us, that was never supposed to be, than actually following Jesus. They said, Jesus, if that's true, 
then we should just quit now. We look at um, what Moses did, and again, we've kind of lost perspective on what was going on. Uh, But it is very similar to the abortion issue going on now. Because right now, uh, in many states, it's perfectly fine to walk into an abortion clinic and and, um, have your baby taken out just because you want to. Uh, That's horrific. That's horrifying. That goes against the love and the life that God breathes into a human being. Now, if we look at the social issue of divorce back in the day with, with Moses, do you realize that the people were so far gone? The people were so far gone. This is what would happen. You ready for this? Some of y'all might just leave and become a Mosinite tonight. You know what I'm saying? But here's what would happen. I just made it up. So if you want to join that, uh, it's going to be a hundred bucks and you can pay the check to me. So anyhow, um, here's what would happen. A guy would come home from work. He would be drunk. He would be tired. He, he was frustrated. He would be broke. He would come in and he would look around. He would look at his wife, see the, see the house, and whatever, see the kids running around. And he goes, forget this. And he would look at it and say, we're divorced. And he would walk out. And he would leave his family. And because he said, he proclaimed something, because he said, we're divorced, he could just leave. And, and that was the end of it. And Moses looked around and goes, this is not how we're going to live as followers of God. But he realized something. It's sort of like with the abortion law. We can't go too extreme or they're all going to leave. He says, so we're going to start whittling away at this. And we're going to start saying, hey, you got to go get a certificate of divorce. Now you got to meet with somebody. Now you got to make it official. Now you both have to sign some paperwork. Now you got to go tell your families first. Now there needs to be a cooling off period. Now there needs to be a counseling period. Now there needs to be a time where y'all talk about this. Is this going to work? Now, now we set a standard and we're moving toward making it harder and harder to get a divorce. Just like what we're doing with the abortion. It might not be perfect, but we're getting it, we're making it harder and harder. We're getting closer to the standard God set but it's not perfect. Do y'all realize that the standard that Moses set 3,500 years ago is still what we do today? What Moses proclaimed, if you want a divorce, fine. You got to go down to the courthouse. You got to hire a lawyer. You got to fill out a a sheet of paper and they got to make some decisions there and then you can have your divorce. It's the exact same thing we do today. But Jesus said it was never meant to be from the beginning. And by the way, this message is not about divorce today. It's about living according to what God has set for his people from the beginning. Amen. It was not that way from the beginning. Jesus continues on Matthew 19, 24. If we can go there real fast. Awesome. It says, and again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. It's the same series of teachings right here. Verse 25, when the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. And they said, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, what Jesus was saying is, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to follow me and not Moses. I I get it. I understand that it's it's hard to follow me and not riches. I understand it. He says, and it's even impossible. And if you try to do it on your own, it's going to lead to corruptness and and you're going to fall off the map. You're not even going to go to church anymore. He says, but 
The beautiful thing is you're not following those. You're following God. And with God, all things are possible. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about a relationship. He's not talking about playing sports. I know that your sports team probably has that on the back of their jersey. He's not talking about that. He's talking about living a holy, righteous life before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what he's talking about. Amen. He's saying you can do it because God is going to allow you and give you the help it takes to do it. Amen. That's good. But Jesus, that's hard. Not with God. No, Jesus, forget, that's impossible. I know, but not with God. You know what Jesus is saying is, tell me again how you can't do what I've called you to do. Well, Jesus, I can't do it because it's hard. My family won't understand. I don't have the finances to do it. Jesus, I don't like my wife anymore. It's impossible. You're right. It is. The way you've been been doing it this whole time, it's, it's absolutely impossible. But with me, it's not only probable, it's possible. Amen. Amen. Something happened in the middle. Something happened in the middle that has to be taken out. I want you to look at Psalm 81. Psalm 81, 11. If I can fix my watch. There we go. This is the same verse we read at the beginning. It's pretty powerful. Uh, Psalm 81, 11 says, But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their stubborn heart to, their stubborn heart, to walk in their own what? Counsel. Look, let's just be honest. How many of y'all get your theology from Facebook? Don't raise your hand, because it's probably most of us. How many of y'all get your theology from CNN or Fox News? Or you get your theology from the evening local news or whatever? And what I mean by that is there are good-minded, meaning people on those platforms trying to convince you of something. And the other day, we even saw a believer that was wholehearted, jumped into a conversation, and, and they were proclaiming the word. They're in leadership, and they were, they were saying things. But guess what? Their theology was wrong, and they were leading people down a really long, dark path. And somewhere along the way, they took a twisted version of what something was, and they posted it on Facebook, and people were going, Amen. Amen. I, amen. I love that. That's so good. Now, you got to be careful where you get your theology. You got to be careful what you're proclaiming your theology to be. Amen. It might sound so good. It might sound so right. They had a debate for 1,500 years because both sides sounded so right. And in one moment, Jesus said, hey, no, that's not the way it's meant to be. Meant to be. And they go, wow. Finally an answer. But I got to tell you this, I don't get my uh, theology, I don't get my scripture from Facebook or CNN or or whatever. Uh, But I got to tell you, a lot of people do. And I think it's time to start cutting out the middle of the story. 
we got to cut out the middle of the story. We got to go back to the beginning. Can, can I just kind of proclaim something over us this morning? I, I don't have anything official. It was not, I, I didn't plan this or whatever. Uh, can we just go into a month where we make the word of God the main thing? Like the main thing. I, I know you probably get up every morning and, and you might read some scripture and whatever. Um, can we proclaim, can we make a promise? And I'm not going to hold you to it. I want you to promise to God um, that for the next month, the word will be more important than Facebook. And I don't know, it sounds so cliche to say, but I, I just feel this burning desire of God saying, we've got to get back to the beginning. And God is saying, if you want to know where I stand, you don't have to turn on the TV. You don't have to ask the news where I stand on social issues. It's right here written in my word. All you have to do is start digging in, going back to the beginning and finding because it's been there all along. Amen. Can we dedicate a month to Jesus to where we say for one month, I'm not going to ask any questions of anyone. All I'm going to do is ask questions of God. God, what do you say? God, where do you want me to read? God, what do you want me to proclaim? God, God, what do you want to show me today? God, God, what do you want to give me? What, what's been hidden here all along? God, come on. Can I tell you this? God will not disappoint. If you're scared, if you're, if you're intimidated, if you don't know where to start, I don't know, start with Revelation. It doesn't really matter. Just open up the word of God and start reading. Amen. Psalm 81, he says, they had a stubborn heart and I gave them over to walk in their own counsels. You know, when you start walking in your own counsel, you start listening to similar voices. And so I I was talking to someone the other day, so funny. I know it's a different generation, whatever. And they were saying, hey, we, we just moved. We're having a hard time deciding which TV provider to go with. They said, this one is $60 cheaper, and they have everything we watch except Fox News. I was like, first off, you're hurting my brain right now. <laughs> 60 bucks a month difference for one channel. You know what they did? They, 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 they bought it. Uh, you know, it's just so funny. It's like, if I can just find someone to agree with my stances, if I can just find someone to agree, then maybe just for a moment, I won't have to listen. And I'm not saying that's what they were doing. I'm not saying that at all. I just mean, isn't it funny how much we rely on other people's opinions? God says, I gave them over to their own counsel. I gave them over. Fine. If you want that counsel, fine. If you want to listen to yourself, fine. It's yours. You can, you can do it. But I'm going to just tell you this. What I proclaim is better. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. Last week, uh, we talked in 2 Samuel chapter 22. It was amazing. I don't know if y'all remember it. I remember it. It was good. I watched the pot. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's so good because David was on the battlefield. Remember, he, he got old and the giant came over. and He's going to kill David. And his men came up and slayed the giant real fast. And then his man looked at David and said, no more. You shall go no more to the battlefield. You're too old. You're too slow. You're not going out there embarrassing us any longer unless you quench the, the lamp of Israel. You ain't going anymore. 
Let us do your job. You can go over there and you can lead. You can do, you can go into a new phase of life. We still honor you. We still love you. We still respect you. We still follow you, but you're not going to the battlefield anymore. You're going to do what God has called you to do in this new season. And so David said, okay, that's legit. I'm going to go over there and sit. And then they killed four more giants. And he was like, well, that was easy. And so he starts writing in his diary, his memoirs, what become uh, part of 2 Samuel. And he starts looking at it and seeing how God rescued him from the battles over and over and over again. And then he starts describing God in a way we normally don't describe God. He starts saying things like there was fire coming out of his mouth and smoke coming out of his nostrils. And, and God was so angry because of the, the ungodliness that surrounded me, because of the fear that was pushing into my life, because death was encroach, encroaching. I called out to my God and my God heard me and my God got angry. Isn't that an amazing picture of God? And God reminded us that when you call out and you say, I'm surrounded by fear, I'm surrounded by the desert, I get angry on your behalf. That's good. Now in Revelation, we, we get a similar picture. If we can turn there real fast, I know you didn't think we were going to Revelation today. We are. It's legit. Revelation 19:11. We're going there. Somebody said, well, I didn't prepare myself when I woke up this morning. Uh, but here we are. We might go from Revelation to Daniel. So uh, Revelation 19, 11 says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called, what? Faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Let's just sit there for a moment. His name is called the what? The Word of God. Now look at verse 14. It says, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Okay, I can't read it. That's way too small. It says, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the wine presses of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. What? In big letters in your Bible it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. I love it. What an, what an amazing statement that on Jesus' thigh and on his robe, it proclaims that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, if you back up a couple verses right there, it says that he is coming with a sword coming out of his mouth. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I did not come to make peace. I know we want to make peace with everybody around us, all the, all the cities around us. I, I know we want to do that. But Jesus said, that's not why I came. I came to set the word of God in place. That's why I came. And in fact, it says a sword came out of his mouth. And with that, he will judge the nations. Can I just throw this out there? That if we're going to be judged by the word of God, shouldn't we live by the word of God? And if we love people like we truly claim that we do in the church, if we love people and one day they're going to stand before God like that, who's coming down with the sword coming out of his mouth and fire in his eyes, shouldn't we proclaim that, hey, one day you're going to be judged according to the word of God and not according to the law of the land? 
That's the greatest act of love that we could ever cast on anybody around us. Hey, I know it's hard. I understand it's hard. Believe me, I'm a believer in Jesus. It's hard. I'm a pastor. Believe me, it's, it's hard. When somebody goes, well, that's impossible. How can you believe in a God like that? I know it's difficult sometimes. It's hard. Sometimes my little brain can't justify what God's trying to say, but can I just tell you, he's always right. He's always holy. And no matter if I agree with it, even in the moment, no matter if I uh, take Moses aside or Jesus aside in the moment, no matter if my brain can comprehend it, it doesn't matter because one day that's how God's going to judge me. It doesn't matter if I agree. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It's just what it is. And so God says, love people because one day this is how I want to judge the world. And he's telling us this. I I need you to understand that if God did not love people and if God was a harsh God and if God was a brutal God and if God just wanted to cast people into hell, then he would have never given us the word of God. He, He gave us the word of God. So anyone at any time can go to a cheap hotel, open a drawer, get a Gideon Bible, open it up, and there it is in black and white and red, the truth of God. It's not hidden. It's not even that complicated. It's right here. And Jesus said, I love you so much that I gave it to you. Amen. First Timothy, we're almost done. First Timothy 6, 20 and 21. I love how it looks on that screen. It looks like 200 Timothy. It's 20 20 Timothy. Oh, Timothy. Y'all ready for this? Guard what was committed to your trust. And please avoid the profane and idle babblings of CNN, of MSNBC, of even Fox News, and contradictions Okay, that just summed that up. In contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Timothy, guard what was committed to you. This is what has been committed to us. And if Paul told Timothy, this great, mighty leader who is leading thousands, then it applies for us in the church today to believers Guard what was given to you. Now look at verse 21. Here's how you do it. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. He ended it real fast. Oh, and by the way, grace to you, you're going to need it. Amen. (laughs) Guard it. Guard it with your life. Guard it with your thoughts. Guard it with your theology. Guard it with your conversations. Forget idle babbling. Forget contradictions. Forget what people think is knowledge. Just guard what you know is the ultimate truth. Paul would go on 2 Timothy. If we can go there real fast, he would say it one more time. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, be diligent to present yourself. What? Approved to Facebook. 
and Instagram and approved a GQ and approved 18 magazine or 17 or whatever. I don't even read, I don't read this. You've been reading it? It's 17, Pastor, get it right. Saul was 70 years old. No, David was 70 years old. Yeah. He had to be here last week. That's good. Here's what he says. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can we say that again? Rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer, and nobody likes cancer. Oh, you just keep going. If you keep listening, if you keep getting your mind all confused about what you believe and where you stand and what Scripture says and what God says, I know what God said, but then this pastor said this over here, and I just don't know what to believe anymore. He goes, hey... If you keep doing this, this double-mindedness, this, this thing you think is called knowledge, and, and you keep pushing and pulling, it's going to become like a cancer. It's going to be corrupt. This week, I had lunch with the, the one and only, Pastor Dick Braswell, because I'm fancy. <laughs> now, we, we eat lunch sometimes. We go to their house, and uh, they're amazing to us, and we love them so much and I just really felt my spirit so hey, it's a good time to do another lunch so we tried to set up for a couple of weeks we were out of town and man when we came back I said hey come on I text him I said let's go to lunch he said any day uh and he said how about today at 11 45 I'm like oh you said before 12 I like you so uh we went and ate and uh we were sitting there and he goes you know what he's like he's like 84 85 somewhere up in there and he's amazing. He's energetic. He flies his plane all the time. He rides his Harley with his dog in the back. He just got married. He's, he's living life. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know what, uh, Dorothy, his, his wife, he said, um, she doesn't watch the news. And I always watch the news, he says, but she has convinced me that uh, I shouldn't be watching the news anymore. And he goes, you know what, I feel so much better. He goes, I feel so much clearer. And he goes, it just made me realize, like, I can't do anything about it anyway. It's going to be what it's going to be. And all I can do is follow what God has set me to do. And he goes, in fact, and he starts telling me about some things that God has started opening up for him. I'm like, you're making me tired. You're making me tired. I'm, I'm 35. You're 85. You're making me tired. Because he is so excited about what God is doing in his life. And even at his age, he's saying, I've got to cut some things out. Isn't that incredible? I've got to cut some things out to get closer to my God. It sure sounds like Jesus coming down is protecting the word of God, who is proclaiming the word of God. And Revelation, who has a sword coming out of his mouth, who's saying, hey, I've been guarding this word in my heart for all these years, and now I'm coming back for my people. Isn't that amazing? I think sometimes we can get things twisted in the middle 
And Jesus is saying, hey, maybe today it's time to start cutting out the middle and get back to the beginning. Amen. It's not very complicated, is it? Past few weeks has been kind of complicated. Today is not complicated. How many of y'all are ready to return to the word? The word. Here's, the, here's what I, I felt Jesus speaking. He said, I want people to fall in love with my word again. If you're a believer and you like church, can I ask you a question? I'm so glad you like church. We have a good time up in here. But do you love the word of God? Well, I mean, I like it. No, do you, have you fallen in love with the word of God? I, can I just tell you, um, I'm married, I got two kids. Um, I spend time with what I love, except for cutting grass. That's mandatory. <laughs> but I'll spend time with what I love. Can we fall in intimate love with the Holy Scriptures all over again? You know what's going to take? Going back to the beginning. Going back to the beginning of your faith, going back to the beginning of the Word, that childlike faith. That's sitting down to worship, bawling our eyes out because we just can't believe that a good God allows us to worship him. That's what it looks like to go back to the beginning. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org. 